The podcast you're about to listen to contains graphic details and adult situations. Shoo everybody out of the room and put your earbuds in. And here we go. Get used to it Everyone tells me I'm too much Maybe it's just you're not enough for me Can't you see? I'm the kind of woman I'm supposed to be How's your week going? Have I told you that this time that we get to have together is one of my favorite parts of life right now? It's something to look forward to. When I send out a podcast, I get emails and I get responses from people telling me what's going on in their life. And hearing your stories, that's definitely what's keeping me going. This week has been a really hard one. I have had a hard time trying to be upbeat, and that's what a podcast should be. I know it's supposed to be real, but I don't want to bum you out. Life's pretty fucking hard right now. And that stalls me out. That makes it hard to get the podcast out when I'm not sure if I can pull it together. And you know how you wait to have a phone call with somebody, or you wait to have a Zoom meeting, or however we're connecting now? You wait until you feel like you're up for it. And I have not been up for it this week. Yesterday was one of those days where you cry most of the day. And it's probably because my birthday's coming up. My birthday's next week. And I usually turn it into a big extravaganza show. We add all kinds of extra stuff in, maybe extra games, or Rachel Lark will surprise me with a birthday song. I love those birthday songs she writes me. And if you watch the live stream the other day, Both of the songs that we played on the live stream were birthday songs for me. The first song she did was uh, the unicorn song. That was for my birthday a year, two years ago. And then uh, she ended with Didn't See It Coming, which is a song she wrote probably three years ago for me for my birthday. I get to choose the theme and she writes a song and surprises me on stage. And I didn't have that to look forward to this year. There is no live show. It's my quarantine birthday. And that has been hard to shake. Nothing to look forward to. I just haven't been able to focus. The live stream is this new thing. And while I love it, And tickets sell fast. And it's so great to get to see faces on screen. Some people are panelists. It feels as close as we can get right now to coming together and being in a real show. And so Saturday night was really exciting. And if I'm going to be truthful, I'm super freaked out by the amount of technology that is required to produce a really good live stream. 
I could do that thing you do where you all get on Zoom and everybody talks at the same time and it has that little peaky sound when everybody crosses over because they're talking at the same time. Have I ever mentioned it makes me crazy when people talk at the same time? We work really hard to make it as perfect as we can. And we're getting really good feedback. But it's learning new technology. So while I get the part that I love, the coming together, the seeing faces, the reading your words, at the same time, I'm like, please, internet, don't break, please don't break, please don't break. We're fighting that the whole time. The great thing is we had, you know, kind of like a dramatic pause where we lost the Wi-Fi for a minute. And then they came back and just perfectly resumed their story. And people said, that was great. It was like a cliffhanger. Like it was planned. Instead, I'm just having this panic attack going, what do I do if it doesn't come back? But it came back. I'm getting nothing but positive feedback. But at the same time, I'm coming up against the standards in my head as an event producer. I want to do it perfectly. And so when I got off the live stream, I just stewed. I felt shitty. I felt like I wasn't good at my job. It's a new job. I know that. But I'm having a hard time with that. So Sunday, I just kind of hid and came to that slow acknowledgement that it is what it is. It's out in the world. At the same time, all the messages are coming in telling me it was fantastic. They felt like they were there in person. They felt like these people were their friends, the closest that they've felt to other human beings since they got locked up in their house. Everything coming in is positive. All the negativity is in my head. And it usually takes me, you know, 24 hours to shake it off. Took a little longer this time. And I think a lot of that is because of the birthday next week. I deal with aging (laughs) Um, by distracting myself. I throw a blowout. I select stories I've always wanted to have on stage. I get special songs. I come together with hundreds of people that may be friends or are about to be friends. And birthdays always make you reflect. They make you reflect on what's going on in your life and where did you come up against that marker you have in your head by where you should be by this number, the number of your birth, the number of your birthday, how many years old you are. And I am not coming near where I was supposed to be. And if you've ever done that five-year plan, three-year plan, yesterday I heard that they are estimating that with coronavirus, The best case scenario is 36 months. And that is from the person, the scientist who predicted coronavirus. So I'm not going to make my five-year plan, y'all. I had this fantasy of, I can't afford a house in San Francisco. I'm lucky if I can find a place to rent. Thank God for rent control right now, but what if that goes away? So I've always kind of thought you better have a contingency plan. And the contingency plan for me has been, well, as somebody who grew up in a trailer park, I know that living in a metal box is a lot cheaper than living in a house made of wood and brick. It ain't as protective when a 
tornado comes along, but, you know, hopefully you can drive off in it. So I became obsessed with RV culture a while back. A few years ago, I started researching how people do that. And I'll tell you the truth, that's kind of been in the back of my mind about what the next step might be. Taking body on the road, going to meet new people every single day. You go have breakfast in a diner. You have a conversation with the waitress. You talk to the people in the next booth over. You meet people. People light me up. Meeting new people makes me feel alive. And I went for a walk yesterday for the first time in two weeks. And I didn't walk far. Went to the top of the hill and looked down over San Francisco while my dog sat next to me on top of the picnic table because he thinks he's a cat sometimes and just looked at all those people in my city who were locked away in their houses too. And it really took me out for a while. And then when I got home, I started getting texts from my friends Natalie and Chris who are living the RV dream right now. During a pandemic, they're traveling the country in their RV. They've got a little Bambi Airstream. And they were sending me pictures of where they've just arrived in Colorado, how they just got through passing through Kansas. And I had that ache. I want that too. My friend Shannon, the person who did Rita's quilt, is about to hit the road in her RV. And I can't imagine how brave these people are to be out there without a home right now. I know the RV is your home, but you can't really shelter in place if you don't have a place. So they're doing their best. They're making their life happen and they're not putting it on pause. And I admire that because I don't think I'm that brave pretty sure I'm not since I haven't left the house in two weeks till yesterday. And what am I going to do for my birthday? Nothing. There's nothing to do. The same thing every day. And I've been stewing. I like to at least plan something special. Usually I'll do something like ask bent for a special occasion. I'll ask for crab bouquet. Just give me a bunch of crab legs and arrange them like a floral bouquet and then we'll steam them and we'll eat them with lots of garlic and butter and crab is like my favorite food in the world. We can do that at home as long as we can get seafood and Midori was telling me the other day, y'all know Midori, right? The sexuality educator and kink educator. She's amazing and she's a neighbor of mine and she was telling me that there's a seafood place that's open right now here in our neighborhood and so I was like, oh, I could have fresh crab for my birthday that's still possible and then Bent was telling me that the Mexican restaurant which isn't anywhere near us that I love and makes the best tortilla soup in the world that he might drive out and get me a couple of quarts of tortilla soup for my birthday so I can have one of my favorite meals I could have tortilla soup for lunch and crab for dinner how amazing would that day be He'd probably get up and make me blueberry pancakes for breakfast, too, because I'm doing a lot of eating here in quarantine. But then last night, I got the news that the drive-ins are starting to open again. 
You got to make sure you're 10 feet away from the nearest car. Got to make sure the only time you leave your car is to go to the bathroom and only one person can go into the bathroom at a time. The snack bars are closed, but the drive-ins are open. And drive-ins are one of my favorite things. I grew up going to drive-ins in the Blue Ridge Mountain. In fact, in the biggest city near us, I believe, when I was a kid, there were seven different drive-ins. And when you're poor, you wait until you get car load night, and they can take the entire family for some low price. I've always loved the drive-in. I had a job many years ago, and I got an offer for a better job. In fact, they offered me a bonus if I would leave the company I was with, a printing company, and go work at their print production company. And I scheduled it so that I could take a week off in between the two jobs. And I had that bonus. And I could do anything I wanted. So I decided I was going to go on a road trip. And I was going to hit as many drive-ins as I could in a week. I was going to drive down the West Coast from San Francisco and head toward LA. And I was just going to drive every day. And then I was going to look at a map and figure out which one was closest and the one that I could get to at sunset. So every day I would hit the road and whichever drive-in I could be at by sunset was the one I was headed to. I think in the space of a week, I hit five, six, something like that. Every day was a different one, except for the one, the sunset drive-in in San Luis Obispo. I really liked that one. And when I'd gone into the snack bar, I had talked to the man behind the counter who owned the drive-in. And I said, this is a very unique drive-in you have here. In fact, there's a little house underneath the giant 20-foot tall screen. And I can see somebody washing their dishes in their kitchen while I watch the movie. Who lives in the house? And he was like, oh... Yeah, we rented out. Somebody lives in that house. That became a fantasy for a while, living in the house under the drive-in screen. And he and I sat there and talked about our love of drive-ins. And he told me that he had a Fisher-Price toy that he had bought off the internet that was a drive-in where cars would drive in, they'd have their headlights on, and they would pull up to their spot right next to their speaker, and they would all turn their headlights off so that they weren't shining on the screen. He was telling me about this toy I'd never heard of before. And I'm like, I want it. And he said, how about this? Tell me when you're coming back through and I'll try and have it here. So I was definitely going to hit that one twice. I stood there and talked to him for a long time, geeking out on drive-in culture and favorite memories and After a while, he came out to my car. I was on a road trip with my girlfriend, Nicole, at the time, a woman I was dating, who at the very last minute had said, can I go too? And I was like, of course you can. She'd never even been to a drive-in in in her life. And I think she went to like seven that week. He came up to my car and I rolled down the window and we just continued our conversation without bothering anybody else. And I continued on. I went to a drive-in in City of Industry outside of Los Angeles and was amazed at all the long-haul truckers who had parked their rigs and were sitting and watching movies and were probably going to sleep there overnight. And I thought that was a pretty good idea. So when I turned around and I headed back, I headed back to San Luis Obispo. 
And when I got there at around sunset, I pulled in. Nicole and I settled in. We went out and got our popcorn. And I said, I'll just go ahead and make the popcorn run. I want to say hi to that guy again, see if he's got that Fisher-Price toy he was talking about. And when I went in, he wasn't behind the counter, but a woman was. And she said, hi, who are you looking for? I can't remember the guy's name. I'm sorry. But I was like, "Uh, yeah, I'm here to talk to so-and-so. She started getting her feathers ruffled, looked at me like I was a problem, gave me my popcorn, but gave me the stuff from down in the bottom, not the good stuff on top with all the fresh butter on it. Like, that's residual popcorn. That's not cool. I went, well, okay, that happened, and he's not here. And I went back to the car, and I watched a movie. And eventually he came out front looking for me, and the woman behind the counter, who was obviously his girlfriend, came out too, saw him looking for me, and they got into a full-on fight, like screaming match because she thought he was flirting with me and he's like I just want to show her the drive-in toy we talked about when she drove through town last time I never did get to see that Fisher Price drive-in toy if you know where it is please send me pictures of it because it sounds so cool but I got to have all the drive-in I wanted it was all you can eat drive-in week that sustained me through one of the hardest jobs I ever had that next job almost killed me It was 16-hour days for three months until they let me go at 88 days because at 90 days, they would have had to pay the recruiter the 10 grand or whatever it was. They worked me nonstop until it was right at the place where they'd have to pay the recruiter and they let me go. That didn't work out, did it? But I still had that week of all-you-can-eat driving and that kept me going. And right now, the thing that's keeping me going is on my birthday, I'm going to the drive-in. I'm going to sit in the car. I'm going to take a fabulous meal with me. It might be crab. That's going to be hard to eat in a drive-in, but whatever. It's my birthday. I can do anything I want. I can get butter all over the car. Who cares? It's a pandemic. Yesterday was hard. Today's getting better. Somebody just posted on Body Storytelling Fiends and Fans. Um, I had confessed to one of them that my iPad was dead. And I use my iPad a lot. And I asked them if they knew where I could buy one used. And now they're kind of taking up donations in the group to buy me a new iPad. And I use my iPad on the road when I do the show a lot. I uh, use it to hand to the door person so that they can deal with the check-in of the tickets. And then I go back to a kinky B&B and I lay in bed surrounded by puppy cages and leather floggers and all kinds of kink equipment. And <laughs> I watch the West Wing because I'm a loser. It's such a waste of the perfect kinky spot. But after a show, when you can't go to sleep, there's nobody to beat. <laughs> So you just lay there and watch Netflix until you fall asleep. So maybe I'll have a new iPad for my birthday. Maybe I'll go to the drive-in and see something that is not Trolls World Tour or a horror movie, which currently are all that they have scheduled. I'm hoping that when they change over the week of my birthday, they're going to have something I want to see. And even if they don't, I'm going to get to go to the drive-in and I'm going to have my dog in the back. 
and I'm going to eat the perfect meal with my feet up on the dash. It's something to look forward to. And I really need something to look forward to. And I hope you have something to look forward to, too. And if you want to write me and tell me what it is, I'd love to know what your something to look forward to is, too. As I told you last week, I attended a virtual orgy recently, and I got to see people's lube of choice right there at hand. And in more than one of those windows on screen, the lube of choice was Uber Lube. Do you know about Uber Lube? It's a high-grade silicone lubricant made from clean, simple, body-friendly ingredients. Lube is more than handy right now. It is necessary. And when it comes to lube, nothing beats Uber Lube. Uber Lube won't stain your clothing or your bedding, and any spills can be easily cleaned with detergent and water. There's no flavor, no scent, and the bottle's measured pumps allow you to dispense the perfect amount of product every time, even in the dark. It's safe and effective to use with condoms, and it's latex compatible. And since lube is supposed to enhance touch, Uber Lube provides just the right amount of slip while still allowing for skin-on-skin sensation. It's also a fantastic moisturizer for skin and hair. It's silicone lube with a little vitamin E, so it's perfect for your skin, your hair, and your bits. Plus, it works underwater, so if you'd like to rub one out in the tub, grab your favorite waterproof sex toy and some Uber Lube and get dirty while you get clean. It's great for all kinds of play, vaginal, anal, oral, and right now, Uber Lube is offering body storytelling listeners a special offer. 10% off and free shipping when you use the code D-I-X-I-E at uberlube.com. I really love Uber Lube, and I think you will too. Uber Lube lets you feel what you want to feel. Go to uberlube.com, use the promo code Dixie for 10% off and free shipping, and I'll see you at your next virtual orgy, y'all. Are you ready for a story? This story is from our tour that we did at the end of 2019. Touring. Do you remember touring? (sighs) When I took body storytelling to cities like Los Angeles and Chicago and New York City. New York City is a big, intimidating place, isn't it? And I love that storytelling makes it so easy to come together and make new friends. One of the things I love about my job is that I can contact people I've always wanted to meet and say, might you have a story? And boy, did she. Let me tell you about this week's storyteller. Cindy Darnell teaches people how to have sex for a living. For over 20 years, she's been railing against shame and stigma to spark joy in people's sex, pleasure, feelings, and relationships. Previously Australia's favorite sex therapist, she was casually dating New York City long distance for eight years before they decided to put a ring on it and go steady 18 months ago. But actually, that was six months ago, so do the math. 18 plus 6, what is that? 37? Nope, that's not right. Now New York City is her home where she maintains a global sexology and relationship consulting practice, helping people navigate the modern world of sex, relationships, and tricky emotions. Her work has appeared on TV, radio, print, and podcasts. You'll see her quoted in media outlets around the world, including The Washington Post, New York Magazine, O, The Oprah Magazine, Refinery29, Vice, Mike, The UK's Guardian, Australia, Sydney, Morning Herald, and so many more. She's the creator of the Atlas of Erotic Anatomy and Arousal video series, which is really cool, and a contributor to some of the world's most respected clinical sexuality journals. She loves her friends, red wine, corgis, and good manners. 
You can find her at cindydarnell.com. And this storyteller is Cindy Darnell. Oh, I've always wanted to say this. Hello, New York. (laughs) Before I moved to New York, I used to come here on vacation every year. Would you believe it? For about 10 years, I was coming here every year on vacation. And one year I was here, uh, and it was wintertime. It was really, really cold, January. And I used to always go to an event called the Pleasure Salon. Have any of you been to the Pleasure Salon? It used to run in New York. So I used to go there. It was an event where people would get together and talk about sex, maybe have sex. And it was one of my favourite places to come because I didn't really know a lot of people here and I was still working out what I wanted to do. So one winter's night, I arrived at the Pleasure Salon all by myself and it was early. I was one of the few first people to arrive. So there weren't many people there. And the theme that night at the Pleasure Salon was clown porn. Now, I'm not much of a clown porn enthusiast, no disrespect to anyone in the room who is, it's not really my jam. But I was standing at the bar, clutching my one glass of wine, and looking around, and of course, being the way it was, there was a huge screen showing clown porn. Now, clown porn is probably what you think it is. Big wigs, red noses, big shoes, And big, everything was big. Everything is big and everything was animated. So I'm standing there going, oh, well, I'm not in Australia anymore. And underneath the projection of the clown porn, I happened to notice a group of young men, quite young, significantly younger than me. And one of them had certainly noticed me. And in the process of me noticing him and him noticing me, we had this little situation. And so he sidled up to me and introduced himself. And he put out his hand, he says, my name's Tony. So imagine Tony as this lean, strapping, gorgeous, but 25 years younger than Idris Elba, Idris Elba, if you can get the sense (laughs) of the kind of guy I'm talking about. So he was very charming, asking me about my vacation, was I having a good time, and, you know, what brought me to New York. So we're making a lot of small talk. He buys me another glass of wine. And after some time, the other friends sitting around underneath the clown porn come up to him and say, you know, I think, you know, they're getting a little bit bored, they're getting a bit restless. So they all decide to go to Burger King. So this group of (laughs) strapping young men say to me, do you want to come to Burger King? And I said, no, I'm right, thanks. I actually don't want to go to Burger King. I'm going to stay here with my wine and watch the rest of the night. Now, poor Tony... He's crestfallen, shoulders like this, very, very disappointed. And I said, dude, I'm sorry, listen, I'm here on vacation and hanging out at Burger King with a bunch of 20-year-olds is just not my bag, no offence. But uh, carry on, fellas. So off they went. And that was the end of that. So I'm still standing at the bar, clutching my wine. There's probably a lot of wine in this story. I'm Australian. You just work that out. (laughs) Within moments, another man closer to my age, appears from nowhere. This guy is also strapping. And I'm thinking, wow, the men in New York, this guy, he's lean and sort of beefy, kind of Hugh Jackman-esque, Wolverine-esque. And so I'm looking at him, he's looking at me, and he says to me, 
I saw you when I first walked in, and I decided tonight it's going to be all about you. And I was like, are you fucking kidding? (laughs) Is it these jeans? What's going on? So we get to chatting. Again, he's very forward, and I'm thinking, you know, where I come from, people are direct, but they're not direct when it comes to sex, and they certainly do not say things like, I'm going to make it all about you. In my country, we never say those things. That said, I really like it, so if any of you want to say that to me, please do. I'm well practiced. Now, (laughs) so he says, I want to make it all about you. And I'm like, oh, well, just give me a minute to think about what I might like. So I'm racking my brains, looking at Wolverine, going, well, how how do I want to be fucked tonight by Wolverine? And I start thinking of a few things, and I share those things with him, and he's like nodding vigorously and going, yep, I can do that. Yep, I can do that. And I was like, far out. This New York scene's pretty wild. (laughs) Next thing, he's in front of me. Chris is in front of me. Guess who comes back from Burger King? (laughs) Tony's back. And I'm like, shit. And why am am I feeling guilty? I'm just standing at the bar drinking wine. I haven't done anything wrong. But Chris recognises that I'm having a little bit of a moment. And he says, what's wrong? And I said, well... I've got a bit of a a predicament here because now I'm chatting to you and we're sort of making a little bit of a plan, but there's a guy over there and I was chatting with him before you arrived and I didn't really make a plan with him, but we had a little bit of a magical thing going on. So I sort of feel like, you know, I, I feel a bit bad. He'd gone off with his buddies and he's clearly come back for me because he's eyeballing me and tearing my clothes off with his eyes as I'm standing here. So Chris says, no worries. He turns around. Waves Tony over. We're definitely not in Australia now. These two, you know, man to man or something. Guess what I'm doing? Right? As Australians do. The two of them, Tony and Chris, come to me and they're like, Cindy, we have an idea. And I was like, oh, here we go. They say... Would you like to take both of us home? And I was like, whoa, Idris and Wolverine in the same night? Are you fucking serious? So then I'm thinking to myself, well, hang on a minute. I'm in New York City. I'm all by myself. I've got a little Airbnb up in Harlem. And really, these two dudes are strangers to me. So let me just kind of compose myself for a minute and think... Is this something that I really want to do? And because at this time I didn't really know a lot of people here, I didn't have the opportunity for a lifeline or to phone a friend or there was none of that. I was just like, it's just me and the wine and I've got to make my own decision all by myself. And I thought, well, what have I got? What are are my options here? And I was like, well, I can't really rationalise my way into and out of this, so I'm going to have to go with my gut feeling. I'm going to have to use my intuition, which is something that I tell my clients to do all the time, usually not in this context, though. (laughs) So I'm standing there going, all right, come on, the powers of the goddess. Let's just tell me, tell me, what do I do? Do I say yes to these dudes or do I not? And loud and clear, she's like, fuck yeah. And I went, okay. (laughs) So then I went back to the guys and I said, all right, this is how it's going to be. We're going to go to my place, not to your places. We're going to go in a car. You're going to pay for it. And we're going to do everything that I want to do and only what I want to do. I am going to be the boss of everything. And if at any moment I feel uncomfortable, sad, freaked out, 
in pain or afraid, and I say stop, everything's going to stop, you're putting your pants on, you're going out the door, no complaining, no tantrums. How does that sound? And they went, okay. <laughs> right? Next thing I know, we're in a car, heading straight up the FDR, fanging it back to, back to Harlem, talking about who's going to do what to who and how. We get back into the apartment. Remember, it's the dead of winter, so the apartment's warm. There's an enormous king-size bed in there. One thing leads to another, leads to another. Turns out that I had the best bisexual mini-orgy I have ever, ever had in my life. And as a result of that, I decided that New York was the city I wanted to live in. Because where I come from, people don't talk like that, and that never happens. And that's the story of how I moved to New York City. Got to make it happen. Every 
every night popping in Manhattan. Summer heat got muchachas flirting, bailando bachata, reggae, hip hop, merengue, salsa. With mini skirts on, that's how it be proper. Next day, partying in the Puerto Rican day parade. First, what Bacardi and Gatorade to quench my thirst. Segundo, algo trame la modela que es única para mi mundo. Ah, pero no hoy. Three, we gonna play and enjoy the way. All night long sway. Lovely if shorty stays. Cause from here on to the break of dawn. And be sex in the New York City. Sex in the New York City. Yeah, sex it up. Yo, yeah, you know it's A-L dot to the B. Representing big NYC. Shorties roll through VIP. Yeah, come see me. What? What? song was Sex in New York City by Aphrodite. This is the portion of the podcast where I tell you about upcoming live shows for body storytelling. Yeah, when's that happening again? Well, we've got this other new thing that is getting rave reviews and it's working out really well. It's intimidating. It's technology. Storytelling is... Mm, tends to be kind of Luddite, but I'm learning and I'm getting better at it. And all the feedback I'm getting is, it's good. It's a good thing. Like we're cranking out something that means that people can hear these stories and be part of a show because it's live wherever you are. So here's what's coming up for body storytelling. We are celebrating my birthday. The next one is on Saturday, May 16th. My birthday's on May 14th. We are going to be doing a live stream. We have musician Shirley Gnome coming in from Vancouver, Canada. She ain't coming in. She's going to be on the internet and all. But um, we've confirmed her. I'm listening to story pitches right now. And you might not know this, but I like butt plugs. It's just, I don't know. I love them. Everybody has an asshole. It feels fair to me. And one of the things we're doing for this one is we are making the level that is our highest level ticket. You can be a panelist so we can see you on screen. We had a little dance party on screen during the break at the last one. People were dressed up in furries and leather and drag and latex and we'd feature them on camera and they'd get to dance while people cheered them on. It was really interactive. It's not a storytelling show, y'all. I know it's in the name, but it's a lot more than that. It's a chance to connect with other freaks. You're a freak. I know you are. You're listening to this podcast. I like to entertain myself by creating weird games like OK Pervert and Sniff Test and Bango. And those are things I can do at the live show. And I've created this level called the Butt Plug Club. So science has indicated that not only... Are you a better storyteller when you have a butt plug in? 
because, you know, sometimes when you have nervous anxiety about performing, you can hold a paperclip in your hand and you can focus all that nervous energy. Well, how much better could you focus it if you had a butt plug in your asshole to focus on? It improves your storytelling. Sunny Megatron illustrated that on the last live stream so well. It also improves your listener retention. You are going to walk away with all those crucial details. You'll remember everything you need to know from stories if you have a butt plug in. We are almost sold out of the Butt Plug Club. The Butt Plug Club is a body storytelling podcast butt plug. It's got the logo on, so when you got this thing in your butt, there's my little face peeking out at you. How fun would that be? Actually, it might kind of kill your mood, but it might improve it if you like things that are kind of silly it might work for you i had glow fuck yourself which is the premier butt plug company in the world make me custom butt plugs for my birthday if you come in at the butt plug club level which is exhibitionist ticket we're gonna ship you a butt plug but we only have a short time to get it to you because we want it to arrive in the mail. It's going to arrive with some Uber Lube, the best lube out there. It's going to have buttons so that we're going to explain how to use your button. There'll be instructions in the box. We'll ship you a commemorative butt plug. You can remember my quarantine birthday forever because there's that butt plug sitting on your desk. What kind of weirdo are you? Take that thing off your desk. If the tickets are still available, grab one and how much fun is it going to be to know that all those other people who are on screen at the live stream have a body storytelling butt plug in their butt right now i love that idea so the live stream is on saturday may 16th it's going to start at 7 p.m pacific daylight time there's a time converter on the ticket so you can figure out what time that is for you set your alarm clock if it's another zone and I'm going to see you for my birthday. That's something to look forward to. The live stream is really fun. I'd love for you to be part of it. Once upon a time, I was an event producer. I made all my income from event production. And that's not happening anymore. There are no live events. So the way that I'm continuing to push through is through your support on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription to what we do at Body Storytelling. It's a way to ensure that this podcast goes out every week and that we can meet the technical costs and the production cost of producing it. It seems simple, but it's not. And it takes hours and hours to produce every single episode. We also now produce a live stream. Hours and hours of technical skill that I do not have. And that means my technical costs have quadrupled since we went into quarantine, since live shows ended. And that means more than ever, I need your support on Patreon. If you could go to patreon.com slash body, support us at whatever level you can, you're going to be helping us make this thing continue. Ensure that with all the changes going on in the world, you're still going to have body storytelling. And I will tell you the truth. For a long time, Patreon was a thing that supported the costs of the podcast. But I felt really guilty about the fact that I wasn't giving as much as I could. The thing about coaching, the thing about travel, those things took up a lot of time. 
and they're not taking up my time the same way. So I'm doing a better job on Patreon. I'm happy to say that if you subscribe at the $10 a month or more level or more, that you get so much stuff. You get free tickets to the live stream. You get access to the replay recording of the live stream. You get ad-free podcast episodes. You get access to our story coaching series. And I'm working on brand new things to add to Patreon all the time. It's kind of like this other place that I can put everything that I want to share with you. Videos, photos. I'm about to put something up this morning that I want to share with people. And it could get lost on social media, or I can have this dedicated place to connect with you and read your messages. And they don't go to that weird folder, that folder that I never get on other social media platforms. It gets to me. We're in contact because of Patreon. And I know that you're someone who cares about this podcast and you're part of it and your opinion matters. So get a patreon.com slash body. Support us at whatever level you can. Anything you can do helps. And thanks for your support. I'm always sad when it's the end of the podcast because I only have this time with you once a week. But it is pretty exciting that we have the live stream every two weeks now, which means that I have multiple ways to connect with you. I want to say thank you to the people who make this possible. Thank you to podcast producer Marty Garcia. Holy fucking shit, y'all. Is there anything this guy can't do? Live streaming, podcasting. And I'll tell you the truth. He taught himself these things when he started working with me. He's incredible. And I'm so grateful for him every single day. Thank you to sound engineer David Grossoff. Thank you to video archivist Joe Moore, who's helping us archive the live stream and put that up as a reward for our Patreon supporters. So if you miss the live stream, you can catch the recording of it afterwards on Patreon. Thank you to you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling friends about this podcast. If you write us a review, I get to know what you tell those people, and better yet, strangers who are trying to decide which of the million-plus podcasts out there to listen to will read your words and go, hmm, body storytelling, maybe I'll give that one a try. Someone just wrote us a review on Apple Podcasts that said, body storytelling is a brilliant, fearless look at intimacy. Well, that sounds good, doesn't it? So write us a review wherever you write reviews, and share this podcast. Tell them about the live streams which are happening regularly and you can watch wherever you are. And speaking of fantastic things, I want to tell you that we are part of a podcast collective. We're part of Pleasure Podcasts, which is a podcast network that's revolutionizing the conversations around sex. So of course, we're part of that. So I want to tell you about some of the other podcasts that are part of Pleasure Podcast. This week, I want to introduce you to Multiamory which is a look at polyamory and other ways that we revolutionize our relationships. Give them a listen, will you? This has been sexual folklorist Dixie Delatour of the Body Storytelling Podcast, and I'll see you in a week.
Hi, I'm Jace. And I'm Dedeker. We're from the Multi-Amory Podcast. We're answering the Pleasure Podcast question of the month. What is my number one sex tip for quarantine? Make sure it's okay for your partner to say no to sex. It seems counterintuitive, but research shows that couples who are in the habit of giving a positive response to their partner saying no actually leads to the couple having more sex overall. If you want more research-driven advice for all kinds of relationships, check out the Multi-Amory Podcast.